Hey friends, welcome to my podcast, Straight Talk with Celine. God's redemption over my life has led to many radical changes in me. One gift God has given me is a hunger for his word and a passion to share it with you. The Bible tells us all we need to know about God, but it also tells us all we need to know about ourselves, and we fail to open it and learn these great truths. A burden that weighs heavy on me is that many professing Christians don't know their identity in Christ. So join me now as we walk through God's word and learn who we are in Christ so we can step into all he's called us to be. Welcome back to Straight Talk with Salim, week six of this Who is Jesus series. And today we continue our trek through the hard teachings of Jesus. And so far we've journeyed through the Beatitudes and we we tackled this topic of money. Last week we broke down the text from Matthew 7, 13 through 14, narrow is the road that leads to eternal life and few will ever find it. And I know it was a super challenging episode, but my hope is that it caused you to look inward. And I know it did that for me. And as we continue this journey through the hard teachings of Jesus, that that's what we want. Guys, we, we want to be challenged. We, we want to find discipline. We, we want to make sure that we grasp all that Jesus said because his words are life. And without them, guys, we're going to perish. It was Jesus who said, apart from me, you can do nothing of lasting value. And a big part of staying connected to Jesus is doing this uh, through his word. So today we jump into the text from Matthew 7, just a few verses after our text from last week. And the question that we want to ask ourselves today is, how will we build our lives on this solid rock of Jesus Christ? How will we build our lives? I mean, so often we build the foundation of our lives on our relationships, on our families, on our careers, our our money, our health, our deeds. And here's what we need to understand. None of these things will last and none of these things will bring us the satisfaction that, that we long for. I mean, those things, they fade. And those things only produce temporary satisfaction and fulfillment. But... But Jesus, the the solid rock, he is who we need to build our life on. And where do we see this? Well, we see this in the the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. So let's turn back to Matthew 7 and let's jump into this text. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. So what is it about this text that stands out? Excuse me. For most? Well, I mean, it's the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. And yes, this parable is extremely important. But I want to focus on another part of the text as we set up our walk through this parable. 
This word astonished, notice at the end of it, it says, the crowds were astonished at Jesus' teaching. I mean, was it because of, of the entertainment value? I mean, maybe they thought Jesus' sermon was so entertaining that they were in awe. I mean, wouldn't we think this? Because that's what draws us in today. The smoke, the lights, the beautiful buildings. I mean, if, if we're honest, it is all of the carnal things that attract many to the church. I mean, churches have to use carnal means to get people in the door. But, but let's just be honest. If, if you have to use carnal means to get people in the door, to, to attract people to worship God, what you're going to attract are, are carnal Christians. And so I'm just going to say this bluntly. There is no such thing as a carnal Christian. I mean, I, I, there, there are issues with this whole idea. And here's the, the deal. A lot of times we look at the scriptures and we, we think of Jesus as, as being an entertainer when he walked the earth. And I have issues with that based on what I read in the text. Issue number one, Jesus was anything but entertaining, okay? Usually when he finished preaching, people wanted to kill him, not, not, not applaud him. Issue number two, the, the text, it tells us very clearly. The crowds were astonished at Jesus' teaching, not because of the entertainment value, but because he taught them as one who had authority. It was his authority in the message. There was absolutely something radically different about Jesus. So the question that I ask is, well, what is so astonishing about the teaching of Jesus? Not, not just in his day, but also in the present day. Because to be honest, I would argue that his teaching, properly taught and explained, it is just as astonishing today as it was then. But the question is, why was his teaching so astonishing in his day and why should it continue to be today? And there are four points that we need to highlight. First, that the teaching of Jesus is so astonishing because it offers authority to a world of autonomy. And as I mentioned last week, Jesus makes it very clear that there are only two ways. I mean, Jesus basically says, it's, it's my way or the highway. That there are only two religions. There is True Christianity that is taught by Jesus Christ and practiced by his followers. You, you remember the narrow gate that leads to the hard path with few companions that leads to life. The other religion is everything else. And it doesn't matter how you distinguish the other religions. We can classify all of the religions however we want, but I'm here to say it is very plain and simple. Biblical Christianity on one side and all other religions on the other. And Jesus said this very clearly. So here Jesus offers authority in the midst of a culture of, of autonomy. And it's no different today. If anything, we have more freedom today. And what man has done when it comes to religion is, is they have strayed away to find the religion that really essentially suits their desires and makes them comfortable. You know what drives this? Sin and rebellion. I mean, again, notice what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 24 and 7, 25. Anyone who hears these words of mine, he, he says it twice. 
That is what separates him from the scribes and the random Joes. Jesus stood alone, far apart from any teacher they had seen up to this point, and they were astonished. Guys, their jaws were on the floor, and I'm sure they were terrified at Jesus' teaching. They were not entertained, but rather at a crossroads where they had some some self-examining to do and some decisions to make. And this is why any other religion competing with what Jesus presents here is flat-out rebellion. Islam, rebellion. Mormonism, rebellion. Hinduism, rebellion. Jehovah's Witnesses, rebellion. All other religions, rebellion. He laid it out, and when people go their own way, they are rebelling against God, period. Second, the teaching of Jesus offers us absolute truth in a world that says knowledge, uh, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context. I mean, look at what Jesus says in in Matthew 7.24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. Then you jump down to Matthew 7.27, and it says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not do them. You see the stark difference? Jesus is not saying, hey, Some decided to hear my words and do them, and some decided not to do them. But at the end of the day, your truth can be real truth too. So just, you know, follow your feelings, you know, follow popular opinions. And see, here's how people try and reason this. People try to say, you know, hey, Jesus was a very good man. He was a very good teacher. He was an awesome prophet and he taught some things and, and those things were wonderful. And we ought to incorporate those things uh, in, into our lives because they can be very beneficial. Guys, that, that's, that's not what Jesus teaches. Jesus says, there's what I teach and then there's everything else. And there's obedience to what I teach and then there's the lack thereof. And every single human, past, present, and future, falls into one category or the other. There, there's no middle ground here. You, you are either hearing and obeying what Jesus teaches and according to him, that the house will stand or you are not and the house will, will fall and crash. This is absolute. Guys, this is a sure thing. I mean, think about what Jesus is teaching here. It's a parable. And we need to be careful because many look at parables and they start defining what Jesus is saying. And in this instance, people make the mistake of thinking Jesus is telling us just to, to build our lives on the principles of the Bible and we will be better off. I mean, guys, if that's what we think, we're, we're falling way short because it's way deeper than that. I mean, there are people out there writing books on how to be successful in life and in business by building our lives on the principles of the Bible. Why? Well, because it will lead you to success in those areas. I mean, you really think this is what Jesus is saying? You, you think he's concerned with you using the principles from the Bible as a, as a means to an end? as a way to get rich and be happy and find success in this world? As he's not. What Jesus is saying is, is I'm the, I'm the truth. And what I'm saying is the truth. And you live by the truth and you're, you're going to survive. If you don't, you won't survive. Period. And there's more to this. Guys, we can't take scripture out of context and try to use it to advance ourselves. This is not the way... Christianity works. 
Guys, some of the most faithful Christians I know who live to obey Christ as he commands, they're suffering. And then there are those who, who don't, who are flourishing. I mean, explain that to me. I mean, when, when Jesus talks about the house that stands and the house that falls, he, he's, he's not talking about you living your best life now. Third, the teaching of Jesus offers hardship to a world of ease. I want you to notice something. There's a phrase that is repeated. Going back to what we said previously, there is the man who hears Jesus's words and does them. And then the man who hears Jesus's word, words and doesn't do them. There, there's the house that stands and, and the house that falls. But in the midst of it, there's a phrase that's the same in both instances. Jesus says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. Guys, that's repeated both times. So the rain comes whether you believe Jesus or not. But the floods, they rise whether you believe Jesus or not. The wind it beats on your house whether you believe Jesus or not. So this is far from a guarantee of a life of ease and comfort and security for those who follow Jesus. That's not the point of this message. That's not the point of this passage. It's not the point of this text. Jesus is not saying here, hey, you follow me and I'm going to give you the good life. And this is what scares me about people who present um, the Christian life as a life filled with good things and health and, and wealth and, and prosperity. And let's just look at a few passages in the Bible that tells us that this mindset is so far from what Jesus is teaching. Go to Mark 8, 34 through 38. And this is right after Peter's famous confession when, when he said that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus then tells the disciples about his own suffering and Peter rebukes Jesus. And you know what happens next. But then Jesus has some, he has some things to say about the life of, of following him and what that looks like. And it says, Jesus called the crowd to him with his disciples and he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes into the glory of, of his Father with the holy angels. I mean, Jesus is saying here, you, you want to follow me? Pick up your cross. Friends, Jesus isn't referring to, to the Jesus piece that you wear around your neck. He isn't talking about the tattoo that you sport of that cross on your shoulder. It's an emblem of, of death. It's an emblem of execution. So when Jesus calls us, he calls us to come and die. In any picture of Christianity that says otherwise is, is an absolute lie. Guys, we cannot read the text from Mark 8 that I just read and think otherwise. This is why when Joel Osteen preaches the gospel as the purpose-driven life, I can't get on board with it. Joel Osteen says, you're special and you're wise and you're extraordinary and you're created to be fruitful and successful. You're the apple of God's eye. God, God wants you to rise to the top and be healthy and wealthy. And if you just believe it, you're going to receive it. 
Let me just clear this up and show you the Bible says the complete opposite. Look at what Jesus' apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. And I point out this is Jesus' apostle Paul because what Paul writes down is inspired by God. And it's Jesus' message to us. Okay, So this is really Jesus' words. Listen to this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let no one who boast, but boast in the Lord. You see why the purpose-driven life doesn't work? Guys, Paul says the exact opposite of what Joel Osteen says. Paul says, look at yourselves. You're not much. You're actually below average. And that's what makes God glorious. And this is why we, we fall for this crap. Because we don't understand this. We, we don't want to get on board with this thought process. And see, many might be thinking, wow, Salim, man, this is depressing. My answer to that? No, it's not. We, we need to understand who we are and what the Bible says. Yes, God loves us. Yes, he's done so much for us and he, he wants all humans to be in his family. But Christianity is not marked by somehow these exceptional, overwhelmingly attractive and wealthy bunch of people who, because they have it all together, have been smiled on by God. Guys, Jesus said the kingdom of God is filled with the least of these. The kingdom of God is filled with the low. It's filled with the poor. Very ordinary people having something significant in common. And what is that? significant thing that we have in common guys we were bought with the precious blood of jesus we have repented of our old life turned to him who alone has the power to save and now we walk in the spirit on the road of sanctification where we endure hardships patiently obeying the commands of jesus until when until death or until he returns that's what's up the bible says we are not excellent the bible says that that we are not magnificent the Bible says that we are not awesome. We are some broken individuals. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you realize this. So when you hear something contrary to that message, um, run away. R run away fast. This is why the teaching of Jesus is astonishing, guys. It is about the hard road, not the easy one. And those who live mundane and boring and uneventful Christian lives... That's the exception. That's not the rule. A genuine life in, in Christ is, is hard. Being a genuine Christian is hard. Lastly, the teaching of Jesus offers a warning to a world of optimism. And this is why it's astonishing. Remember, we said earlier, the Christian life is, is not about taking these Christian principles and applying them to areas of your life in order to receive blessings. That is not what this is about. 
Guys, listen to this. Let me read this one more time. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone, guys, everyone. It says everyone who builds a house, who builds their life on what Jesus says, will never experience the fall of the house. But do, do Christians experience hardships? Yes. Do, do Christians get cancer? Yes. Do, do Christians go broke? Yes. Do, do Christians die? Yes. So, so it's clear that Jesus can't mean that everyone then who hears these words of mine and builds on them will not have hardships and will not get cancer and will not go broke and will not die. This is not what the parable is about, and, and that is not what it's saying. I mean, let's just look at the other builder, the foolish builder. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Does this text say that everyone who doesn't build a house, who doesn't build their life on what Jesus says, will be broke? Guys, no, some are going to be filthy rich. Guys, some of the most evil people in the world are the richest. Most of the richest people in the world aren't Christians. Well, what about health? I mean, this crowd is, is going to get sick too. But they may also not get sick. I mean, guys, some of the most evil people in the world beat cancer. And what about death? I mean, this crowd, guys, is going to eventually die too. So what Jesus is saying here is not you believe and obey what I teach and you'll have the good and easy and, and wealthy and healthy lives. This is not what Jesus is teaching. So what is the warning? Well, guys, I, I truly believe this is a warning about hell. I believe this is a warning about eternal separation from God. I think Jesus is saying everyone who hears my words and obeys them will experience life everlasting. And by the way, the, the two gates, the two roads, the two crowds and destinations, one is life and one is death. In what sense? The ultimate sense. Heaven and hell. I mean, the two trees from Matthew 7, one bears good fruit and one bears bad fruit. And what happens? Well, the text says that the, the good tree is preserved and the bad tree is what? chopped down and thrown into the fire. I mean, what's that about? Heaven and hell. Then you have the two declarations. Remember, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter what? The kingdom of heaven. You have those who do the will of the Father and those who do not. So what happens to those who do the will of the Father? The ones who obey and live for Jesus? They enter the kingdom. What happens to those who do not do the will of the Father? The door is shut. And they're told what? Depart. Depart from me. I never knew you. What's that about? Guys, it's about heaven and hell. So coming back to these two builders, I mean, what is Jesus talking about? Guys, he's talking about heaven and hell. This couldn't be more clear. And there are going to be those that say I'm overanalyzing this and, and being too intense with the interpretation. But let's be honest here. How, how can we look 
at this text and come away with anything different. Because here's what Jesus is saying. There is one true religion. There is one way to the Father, and it's through me. It is the narrow path that leads to the hard life where there is loneliness and persecution and suffering and trials galore, but it leads to life. Do what I say. Follow my teachings. Follow me and you will enter into my kingdom. But everyone else who doesn't do this will be cast out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. This is not about the purpose-driven life, friends. This is about heaven and hell. This is about ultimate reality. And I'm willing to die on this hill. Guys, Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Why? Because he was warning us. Let's just look at a few texts. Turn to Matthew 5, 29 through 30. It's Jesus who says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than the whole body to go into hell. Next, turn to Matthew 10, 28. Jesus says, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And who's him? God. We're called to fear God because he has the power to not only kill your body, but to throw you into hell. That was Jesus who said that. You hearing that in the pulpits on Sunday? Nah, because that's offensive. Nobody wants to hear about hell. You want to hear about wealth. You hear about, the, you know, whatever. Guys, it's more to this text. Next, turn to Matthew 18, 7 through 9. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come. But woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into to the hell of fire. And we say Jesus just spoke about love and grace? No, he told us what was at stake and which to choose. And the issue with humanity is we can't discuss this because it's not loving. I mean, why would God send anyone to hell? Friends, Jesus is clearly giving people a way out. We cannot blame God for sending us to hell. We send ourselves to hell. I don't want to hear anyone say God sends anyone to hell when he sent his son to die so that we could have life. Jesus is, is here showing us ultimate reality while the world lies to you and tells you to be optimistic about things. You're awesome. You're set. Guys, no, we're not awesome, okay? We, we aren't set. Okay, we're not good. We have an intentional move to make and it involves dying to self and laying down the old life and following Jesus with everything we have. This, my friends, is why the teachings of Jesus are so astonishing. This is why the crowds had their jaws on the floor when he was done. This is why people were wrecked after what he said. These people weren't entertained, guys. They were convicted and offended and challenged and they walked away with some major decisions to make. I'm sure it was eerily quiet at the scene. You could probably hear a pin drop after Jesus was done talking. And if I were you, I would put yourself in that story right here, right now, in the crowd, at the Sermon on the Mount. 
Let me be clear, my friends. Hear me now. J Jesus didn't come and present this Sermon on the Mount to entertain the people and share some, some moral teachings. He came and explained what citizens of his kingdom look like, what his followers would have to sign up for. He came and shared hard truth with them. And this was not a feel-good message. Jesus stood up and basically said the following, I am God and here's what I say. I mean, that, that is the authority that left the crowds astonished and it's the same authority that should leave us astonished. Get this picture of baby Jesus out of your heads. He, he's Lord, not, not lowly Jesus, meek and mild, shampoo hair model, Fabio, blonde hair, blue eyes. He is God and we should bow low. Get on your face today. He's coming back. And the real picture of Jesus, guys, it's in Revelation 19. I would encourage you to go read about that Jesus and read about it every day. Get that picture of Jesus in your head. So I wrap this up with a couple of things. First, to my friends who, who are unbelievers, if you're listening to this and you have not come to faith in Christ, if you're listening to this today and you have not come to repentance and faith, guys, turn from your sin. Recognize the wretchedness of your life and soul and turn to Jesus and plead with him, the Jesus of the scriptures, and trust in him and him alone for your salvation. If you're listening and that is you, this is how you apply this truth and the whole truth from the Sermon on the Mount. Repent, believe, place your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. Guys, if you've been trusting in your own righteousness, if you've been trusting in somehow doing good, if you've been trusting in somehow being better than, than most people, abandon that and abandon it forever. It's not enough. Trust in Christ and Christ alone. Do not lean on your own understanding. This is how you apply the message that I just shared today. Come to Christ and trust in him and, and, and nothing else. Hey friends, did you know the mission behind Broken and Chosen? I once was lost, but Jesus found me and redeemed my life. And since he saved me, he's been teaching me who I am as his follower. I am chosen. I am part of his holy nation. I am a royal priest. I am his special possession. He called me out of darkness and into his light to be a bold proclaimer of his glory. And if you're in Christ, that's your identity too. So follow us on social media to be reminded of who you are in Christ. And subscribe to this podcast for a deep dive through God's word to learn who you are in Christ. And check out our apparel in our shop at brokenandchosen.com to wear your identity in Christ. And lastly, if Broken and Chosen is blessing you, would you do us a favor? Would you leave us a review and also tell a friend about us? Second, to my friends who are believers, I have two things for you. First, please preach the gospel accurately. The gospel is not about manipulating people into praying the sinner's prayer that you will not find in scripture. That is not what the gospel is about. The gospel, according to, to Matthew 5 through 8, according to the Sermon on the Mount, is astonishing. It's challenging. It's hard. And, and while I'm at it, parents, if you are a parent, listen up. The gospel, according to Matthew 5 through 8, is not about you twisting your kid's arm in the hopes that they, they will agree with you and then manipulating them by offering them a ticket to heaven by accepting Jesus into their hearts. That's not the gospel. They need to know who Jesus is. They need to know what sin is. 
They need to be broken over their sin, not just repeating the words of mom and dad. Guys, Jesus is Lord. Do they really know this? Are they able to comprehend that? Guys, we can't press our children to make a decision they aren't ready to make. And as I've said multiple times in the last few weeks, they have to make that decision for themselves. They have to be accountable to Jesus. You can guide them. You can, you can teach them. You, you can influence them with your example, but, but they have to answer to Christ. You, you bringing them to church and sprinkling water on their head or pers- persuading them to be baptized for the show, it's not enough. That, that's not what secures them. Guys, true repentance and faith and an understanding of who Jesus is, that's what secures them. They must too fall in love with the biblical Jesus or else it's not going to sustain them. Because if you just give them this show and you're not teaching them through your example and you're not showing them um, the Christ of the scriptures, you're not showing them what true suffering looks like, what true repentance looks like, what true forgiveness looks like and all those things, man, when they turn 18, they're just gonna leave the house and abandon God altogether because they never experienced God. So we wanna offer them sustainable faith. Second thing, guys, live the gospel faithfully. The way that you obey and honor Christ with your life, it speaks a much louder sermon than your lips could ever speak. And not only does this matter for your kids' growth and development, but also for non-believers who are watching us under a microscope. Guys, the way that we live out our faith is so vital. The way we speak about God is so vital. The way that we honor God in the good times is vital. And even more importantly, the way we honor God in the bad times is vital. Guys, we must always make much of him and what he did in our lives and what he does on the daily, not the other way around. It is always about him. It's always about his transforming work. And this goes no matter if we're in the valley of trials or we're on the mountaintop. Guys, please understand something. As we live our lives in front of one another and we live our lives in front of a lost and dying world, please do not communicate a picture of Christianity that says, hey, come over to our side because we get better gifts. Because the fact is the rain falls, the floods rise, and the winds beat against our house just like they do to everyone else in the world. This goes for followers of Jesus and those who don't follow Jesus. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The sun rises on the good and the evil. So we must tell the world about Jesus and the true gift of life he gives us. And it has nothing to do with earthly possessions and health and an easy road. It has everything to do with our eternal inheritance. Preach the gospel accurately. Live the gospel faithfully. And when you go through your difficult days, use it to bring much glory and honor to God. When you go through your mountaintop experiences, use it to bring much glory and honor to God. Don't use it to show off God as your genie in a bottle. That is not the gospel. The gospel says in health and wealth, I give all praise to God. In sickness and poverty, I give all praise to God. In abundance, I give all praise to God. In need and want, I give all praise to God. This life, guys, is not the end-all be-all. We live for eternal things. That is what is astonishing about the teachings of Jesus. This is what's astonishing about the gospel. So guys, I urge you to build your life on Jesus. 
As we follow the Lord, learning to trust and obey him, we receive a reward. Our house is steady and solid. It's unshaken by circumstances. The wise man is the believer whose life is built upon the rock of Christ. In, in this world, he has faith. And he has hope. And in the next, everlasting life and love. The wise man is, is like the tree planted by the riverside whose leaves do not wither. So which builder will you be? Will you be the builder that builds their life on the solid rock of Jesus? So when the trials and the tribulations come, your life will stand protected, able to withstand? Or will you be the builder who foolishly builds their life on the sinking sand called this world, putting your hope in things like money, in career, in people, in false religions, in false idols, who will fail you and leave you empty? Guys, it's a choice. And Jesus is telling us to choose life. Choose him. Will it be hard? Yes. But guys, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. My friends, this is all for this week's episode of Straight Talk with Celine. Come back next week as we continue our journey through the hard teachings of Jesus. Next week, we're going to jump into the next hard teaching of Jesus. Jesus' ministry, man, it started off so hot. He rose in fame. He, he rose in popularity. He, he was feeding the, the 5,000. He was, you know, doing the miracles and doing the healings. And man, people wanted a piece of Jesus. But I want to point out, as he got closer to the cross and his messages got harder, the crowds, man, they, they started to thin out. And so we look to John 6 next week. And we see an up-close view of this. Guys, we need to continually be asking ourselves this question. What does this story of God mean to us? And what does this story of God mean for us? I mean, who are we in light of God? Friends, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus and you are following him, the Bible, it proclaims the following. You are chosen. You are a royal priest. You are part of a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. You have been called out of darkness, called out of the grave, and into his wonderful light, into a life, and now you are to be a bold proclaimer of his glory. Do you know this? Are you living this? If you are, man, awesome. If you're not, it's okay. You know, most are not. But come back next week because the point of this podcast is to walk this journey together. Guys, I'm currently learning this myself. You, you're on the journey with me. And together, we will learn our identity in Christ. And man, we're going to step into it. My friends, thank you for joining me on this episode of Straight Talk with Celine. I hope our time together has helped you take a small step towards living out the fullness of who you've been called to be. If this episode encouraged and edified you, please take a moment and think of that person that needs to hear this and do me a favor and share it. Jesus has called us to be ambassadors. Let us never forget that the mission is to know Jesus and to make him known. I love you all with the love of Christ. Until next time, take care.